If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But what about the woman who says, I don't have a network. I, I can't fundraise. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know what to do. Who's going to vote for me? How do you, how do you reach, teach, and, and, and push her? The network thing. That question. That one. I can believe it. Always, it feels like they have huge networks of support. everyone does. Right. Your network built it. is in your phone. Yeah. Your network yeah. is your Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Your network is your family. Your network is your coworkers. It's your church. It's your sorrows. Yeah. Everyone has a network. Heck, it's the people you invited to your wedding. Yeah. Your yeah. holiday yeah. card list. Everyone has a network. So I really want us to retire that thinking that we're nobodies, that we don't have people. There are people that you have influence with. And those are the people that you're going to start with. And if you talk to those people, many of them will be excited that you are running for office. And they will tell you, you are the one that we've been waiting for. That we've been waiting. 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 Welcome to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all-black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. Art's not here. He was he was filling in that moment. Art is tied up today. So it's me solo. But no matter, no worry, because you know we're still bringing you an amazing episode. This one, I am... Let me back up. I say everyone is amazing. And everyone is, but today's episode I'm extremely, extremely excited about because it ties to where we are so significantly. But before I tell you everything, I got to hit you with my introduction so you'll learn what we're doing. Now, you've heard me say many, many times that I don't believe in superheroes, but instead, I believe that each of us will at some point be given our own moment to operate as a superhero, our very own moment of heroics. Now, Batman and Superman, they're not coming. They're not going to rescue us. But in that moment, whether it be an hour, a day, or a lifetime, you are coming. If you accept the calling and if you stand in the moment, then the impact you can have on the culture, on the community, and even on the world will be felt literally forever. 
Now, fair or not fair, black women have been pulled into superhero moments, especially in the political arena, far, far, far too often. But to our benefit, they've accepted the moment and they've won. But here's something to consider. We know where Superman trained. We know where Wonder Woman trained. But where do real-life, everyday people who are called into their superhero moments train? Where are they taught? Where do they learn? Well, for black women, especially in the political space, the answer is the passion of our guest today. And so I want to take a few moments and introduce her. So, today we've got a dope dynamic, forward-thinking, army of political black women building. The takeover will be televised, planning superhero moment, training real-life slayer of the political bullshit, creator and the host of the Brown Girl's Guide to Politics, president of Emerge, the only organization dedicated to the recruiting and training of Democratic women, and a nationally recognized political strategist, Ms. Ashanti Golar. Thank you. Thank you, Darius, for having me. I'm of so course. excited this worked out that I was going to be in town for Power Rising and you and I were able to sit down and chat, chat. Absolutely. So I, I hit the people with my version of who you are. You tell them, who are you for real? Who is Ashant? I am someone who is really blessed to be able to do this. Right. And going back to what you're talking about with superheroes, I love astrology. Right. And I have a great astrologist. And during one of my sessions, we were talking about my work and my career. And she said, well, you literally have all the astrological placements to do what you do. Right. Your work relates to women in your astrology. I have a Midhaven in Scorpio, which is a placement most people in politics have. What is that? So basically... Your midhaven tells a lot about your future and who you are and what you do. And mine is a Scorpio placement in one of the prominent houses that deals with your persona and your personality and what you do. So I found that interesting and fascinating when she told me that. But what really got me is she said, I have a key placement to disrupt systems. So she told me, I have a key placement to disrupt systems. So all of that really came together. The work that I do with women, having this political placement and disrupting systems. And that's what I do every day. I get to wake up and disrupt systems by getting more women and women of color involved in politics. I absolutely love that. I'm trying my best to not jump into the episode because I got a bunch of questions. So normally <laughs> normally Art would grab me at this point because I always have a bunch of questions and he would run through the wild black shit. But in his honor, I'm going to do it today. So I'm going to stop us and I'm going to jump into this. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. You know how this works. We got three questions. The first two are fun, stereotypical, mm-hmm. building questions. And the last is our classic signature question. All right. So I'm going to hit you with it. All right. I really don't envy you on this first question because it, it, is, it is difficult, at least for me. Simple pick one. I've got a couple different albums. I want you to tell me which album is the best. But my black card won't get pulled. You know, it's impossible to lose (laughs) your black card on this one. Because no matter where you go, you you deep with it. Okay. Now, they might come for you a little bit, though. Oh, goodness. All right, we're going to see. All right. Number one, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill versus Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation. I'm going with Rhythm Nation. Okay. For the fact that 
I love Janet Jackson. And when she had the big braids pulled up into the ponytail, Mm -hmm. I had that hairstyle. Like I wanted to be, I had the hairstyle. I had that album on repeat. So I'm going to go with Queen Janet. Okay. 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 Number two. My Life, Mary J. Lemonade, Beyonce. I'm going to go with Mary J. My Life. Now you talking to me. Because my theme song is Just Fine by okay. Mary J. Okay. Blige. Okay. Okay. This third one. This one. This one is the most difficult for me, personally. Maxwell's Urban Hang Suite. I had something, something. Till the yeah. cops come knocking. Wherever, whatever, whenever. Versus D'Angelo's Brown Sugar. That's a t- For me, that is a tough one. If I need to chill, if I'm cleaning the house, I just want to vibe, I right. got to go with Maxwell. All right. Okay. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know how to pick that one. Bo- <laughs> both of those albums, and I said albums, so you see my age, I still play <laughs> right now. Okay. Last one here. Jill Scott, any album, any song. Erica Badu, any album, any song. I gotta go with Erica Badu because you gotta call Tyrone. Just an <laughs> absolute classic. I think that relates to all women, not just black women. Mm-hmm. We all have that relationship when we're like, yeah, call your friend, come get your shit. <laughs> I can rock with that. All right. You ready for question two? All right. All right. Right now. A whole lot of the world, especially the white world, is really upset at black folks right now. And, and they're, well, they're always mad at us about something. Yeah, I mean, our existence makes them right. mad. But right now, they are mad because a fictional character, Ariel, has been recasted as black, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to take this opportunity to make those folks even more mad. Mm-hmm. If you could sit back, two, three, four, ten, I don't care how many. What fictional characters would you recast as black and why? Oh. I had fun with this one. This is my a mind really, really fun question. But I love the fact that The Little Mermaid is black because I actually tweeted about this after mm-hmm. watching one of the reaction videos mm-hmm. where there was a little girl. She freaked out. She's like, She's brown like me. And she was so giddy about seeing the movie. I sent those to several friends. It brought yeah. back tears and all kinds yeah. of things. But even for me at this grown-ass age. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Little Mermaid was my favorite Disney movie. Disney movie. Right, right. So I would have had the exact same reaction. Right. But some of my favorite movies have been cast with black people, like Still Magnolias. Yeah. When they did the all yep. black, I Wasn't was Jill like, Scott in that? yes. Hmm? Wasn't Jill Scott in that one too? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I yes. My wife loves that movie in general. Yeah. So I love that. I love science fiction, so I love seeing all the Black Marvel characters. Well, let me know. Star Trek. Like, yeah. Let's make let's make Captain Kirk black. Yes. Well, they would be pissed. Oh, Ooh. oh my goodness. Oh, <laughs> they would be pissed. And for me, 
I just want to see us everywhere because we can do the roles yeah. and gives a different vibe and a different energy. But yeah, I'm excited about seeing all these Disney characters and Marvel characters become black, just more black people. Yeah. In those, in those two spaces is what I would like to see. Yeah. As I was writing that question, the, the one that popped into my head, because I'm, I'm a science fiction guy, science, science fiction and science fantasy guy. Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I want to see Princess Leia black. Oh my goodness, the buns. And and if she's black, <laughs> then exactly. But if she's black, then Luke has to be black because they're related. They're brother and sister. Yeah. Well, do you know how much they would lose their mind if we did that? Oh my, they would be rioting outside the theaters. Just to the powers that be, let's get a black Luke and Leia. Love it. All right. Question three: What do you love most about life while black? At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I love being a Black woman. Although it has its challenges, you have those good days, those bad days. I just love being a Black woman. And I mentioned before, I'm out here for the Power Rising Conference, which is a Black woman's conference. And it is the highlight of my year just to be in a space with other black women who care about their communities, who want to make change. I just, I love us. And I was watching a clip. It was of Kiki Palmer and she was doing um, like a game show and the word was Titanic. And she was saying, Rose, Rose. And the host is like, your, your partner's not going to get that. Mm-hmm. And the host got it, that it was Titanic. Because <laughs> I'm just like, that's, that's how we are with Black women. We got a, we, we got a language. We, we have a language. Yeah. We're just the best. I love that. I love that. I'm supposed to go into the dope quote here, but I'm going to flip it again. I don't, the rules don't really matter. You brought up power rising, and I want to take this opportunity real quickly. To let our listeners know, what is that? What does it do? What's it for? Power Rising is the brainchild of the Bishop Leah Daughtry and Mignon Moore. They're two of the colored girls. They have a great book. I recommend everyone read it. Mm -hmm. They paved the way for me to be here having this conversation Mm -hmm. with you. After the 2016 election, they really wanted to do something to empower Black women, not just politically, but our whole selves. Mm -hmm. And they created the Power Rising Conference, which is Black women from different generations coming together to talk about health and wellness, to talk about tech, to talk about finances. They say that you're supposed to at least have $500 in -hmm. savings. Most Black women don't have that. So we talk about how do you even get to the $500 before you start investing in a 401k and stocks and all of that. We talk about politics. I'm going to be leading a conversation on the midterm elections 
And what does Black women need to know? Because yet again, everything is on the ballot. And we come together, we have fun, we do serious conversations. There's tears a lot of times when we let out all of that anxiety and pressure that builds up with being a Black woman, even if it is great. Right. And our theme this year is joy because we're actually celebrating the fact that we're able to come to this conference because we're the lucky ones that survived this pandemic. Yeah. And there's some of our yeah. sisters who won't be joining us. Yeah. So our entire theme is joy, the joy of being here, the joy of being a Black woman. Yeah. That actually, that diversion in, in our flow actually worked really, really well. Because we, we normally go through the dope quote right now, which is something I pull from religion or history or science. And it's, and it's excuse to share an amazing person from my history who has said something that has relevance on today. But I wanted to flip it today and not do a dope quote, but instead ask you from your viewpoint and from where you stand and the work you do in politics, who are one, two, or three black women that every listener of Wild Black should know more about? So I mentioned the color girls. Mm-hmm. You should absolutely get to know more of them. So it's Bishop Leah Daughtry, Mignon Moore, Yolanda Carraway, and Donna Brazil. So I think most of the listeners have heard about Donna Brazil, yeah. but they tell their stories from sitting in the back of the room watching someone's purse just so they could be in the meeting to leading Democratic political committees to becoming I'm taking notes because I'm going to look into it myself. I love it. To being a top political strategist, to developing power rising, Mm -hmm. to uplift more Black women. And what I love about them is they could have easily shut the door behind them, Mm -hmm. but they didn't. They have kept it open and lifted other women up. So definitely get to know the colored girls. I'm really big on prosecutors and DAs, especially getting more Black women into those positions. Check out Rachel Rollins. She was the first Black DA in Boston, and now she is the first Black U.S. attorney in Massachusetts. She had a really hard confirmation. Our vice president, Kamala Harris, was the tie-breaking vote, but she is going to do amazing things. So definitely get to learn about Rachel Rollins. She is fabulous. And there are several women who are a part of Emerge's program, Mm -hmm. Seated Together, which focuses on encouraging Black women to run for higher office. And the women in that are absolutely fabulous. And I would keep an eye on Leslie Herod. She is a state representative in Colorado. Mm -hmm. She was the first Black openly LGBTQ person elected in the entire state. Mm -hmm. And now she's running for mayor of Denver. So she is a bad sister. What's her last name again? Herod, H-E-R-O-D. So definitely get to know Leslie. Like I I asked that question for the listeners, but secretly, it's also for me. (laughs) I dig into, like when I ask stuff like that, I I, I really do dig into everything that's said because I want to learn something at every turn. And Rachel Rollins, I had heard of her before, but outside of Donna Brazil and none of the others. So, Wild Black, I'm doing some homework right with you. (laughs) All right. Let's jump into the core of this interview. The the first thing that I want to ask is, why here, why now? Like, Why Mm. is this where you choose to be in this moment? And 
We've talked a couple of times. It's obvious that you are, are brilliant and, and driven and you could change the world if you wanted to. And so since I think you are, why did you choose this route to do so? I don't think it's a mistake that we're all here during this time. Mm. Again, clearly I'm very spiritual, but I never thought that this was going to be my path. I'm a little black girl from Las Mm. Vegas. I did not come from a political family. Mm -hmm. I've just always been drawn to politics. And I just had all those amazing women who saw things in me that I didn't see in myself, who uplifted me, encouraged me. They're the reason why I'm here. But I really do feel that when we have more Black women Mm -hmm. in civic and political spaces, they make things better. And being the president of Emerge, I get a front row seat to everything that they're doing. So it was great for me to be someone who is here now who used to just be a spectator, learning about all these women, watching them taking the key things that I loved about them and saying, ooh, I want to work on that skill. But right now our country is going through huge transformations. That like is so I, true. Can, I can even take it back to astrology. We're experiencing our Pluto return. But our society is changing. So mm. civilization is changing. And during this time, if things are going to change, I want to see them change for the better. Mm-hmm. And that means that you have to have Black women's voices. You have to have Black women in power. So that's how I see it during this time, mm-hmm. is making sure that as we do head into the next phase of this democracy that we're trying hard to protect. I also mm-hmm. wake mm-hmm. up every day mm-hmm. working hard to protect that. Black women need to be a key focus and a key part of that in order for us to have this positive change. Yeah. So I, I want to get into Emerge in a little bit, but we'll, we'll lead to that. You mentioned as you were being raised and brought up that people saw something in you, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that a- along the way, I'm sure you were encouraged. I'm sure you found inspiration. And part of what you do through Emerge is you help to establish new Black Democratic women leaders, correct? Mm-hmm. And so I assume that much like with you, when someone noticed something in you and began to encourage it and kind of build that in you, you're doing much of the same today for a number of of women. So the question I want to ask is, how do you identify that spark inside of someone Mm -hmm. and recognize it as the right spark to lead and influence and protect Mm -hmm. this democracy that you just spoke about. Mm -hmm. I can take it back here. Like we're recording this in Georgia. And a few years ago, I got an email from Shannon Watts. She is the head Mm -hmm. of Moms to Man Action. And she said, Shanti, are you going to be in Atlanta soon? Mm -hmm. I would love for you to sit down with Lucy McBath and talk to her about running for office. And I went door to door for her. (laughs) Loved Lucy. Like I was just smiling ear to ear because I'm Mm -hmm. like, it's finally happening. Because unfortunately, like most people, I got to know the congresswoman Mm -hmm. when she was just the mom of Jordan Davis. Her son was shot and killed for playing loud loud music in his car. And the congresswoman will tell you, I was just a mom. I was a wife. I was a flight attendant. 
And that changed my entire life. Yeah. And she became a gun violence prevention activist. So I saw her go from the courtroom where I admired her strength and her grace because, right. of course, she's a black woman to being one of the lead spokespersons for Moms Demand. And then when we were at the 2016 Democratic Convention, she was the spokeswoman for Mothers of the Movement, which were supporting Secretary Clinton. Mm -hmm. And she got up and spoke. And I was sitting next to my colleagues and I said, she has to run for office. When is she going to run for office? So when I got that email, I was like, yes, this is the moment I've been waiting for. It's finally (laughs) happening. And I'm like, I've been waiting for this moment. I was actually going to be in Atlanta in two weeks. The congresswoman was going to be in town so I could sit down with her. And we chatted for three hours. We chatted about her path. She told me all about Jordan. And she's like, "I, I don't know. Should I be doing this? Should I be running? And I said, Lucy, You have everything in you already. Mm -hmm. What we'll do at Emerge is just teach you how to harness it Mm -hmm. and turn you into that elected official. And she still walked away unsure. And I was just like, oh, did I fail? Did I fail? The team was like, how was your conversation with Lucy? I said, I don't know, y'all. I don't think I got her. I don't think I got her. But then I got an email that she... Mm -hmm was going to run for the state house here in Georgia. And I also told her, you know, if you run, we'll train you. We had a regional boot camp out here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And she was in the class, sitting there, taking her notes, learning how to fundraise. I'm sure to no one's surprise, she was at the top of the class with her speaking, with her fundraising, with how to put together a campaign. Mm -hmm. She was a natural. She had it in her. And then in February of 2018, yeah, I got a call Mm -hmm. from Lucy and she said, Ashanti, I've just been praying on it. She's a big woman of faith Mm -hmm. and I need to be running for Congress. That's where I can make the real change that I want. That's where I could really help Jordan Mm -hmm. and do the work for my son. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. I said, Lucy, I'm 100% behind you. Emerge is 100% behind you. You're getting into the race late. So I think you can definitely do well in the primary. You'll probably have a runoff. And you can win the race in the general by one or two points. This is just me thinking about that seed and Lucy. And she got into the race. She did end up going into a runoff. She won the runoff. And she beat Karen Handel that year by one percentage point. I remember Karen Handel, if if I remember right, she had record-breaking fundraising that year. She did. She did. Because it was right here, of course. Right. Yeah, I remember that. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. 
Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So she became Congresswoman McBath. And in February, no, not in February 2019. In 2019, we had our Emerge Annual event. Mm-hmm. And we had five of our alums who had got elected to Congress in 2018. So we brought them out for our event so everyone can meet them, hear their stories. And it was everything to me to be able to introduce everyone to Congresswoman McBath. There are so many Lucy McBaths out there. Yeah. There are so many Lucy McBaths who are listening to this conversation. Yeah. The spark is there. You just got to go for it. Yeah. The biggest thing that you need to want to do is make change and right. make the commitment and be ready to hustle yeah. because running for office isn't easy. I don't yeah. ever try to sugarcoat that. But if you have the drive, you got the hustle, you will be a great elected official. I love that. So you talk about the fact that there's a Lucy McBath that's listening right now. Mm-hmm. What are the steps, right? Let, mm-hmm. Let's say that there's a woman out there right now who doesn't even realize that she's a Lucy McBath, right? Mm-hmm. All she knows is that she is tired of the status quo and she feels inside of her mm-hmm. some kind of draw to be responsible or lead the change that she needs to see happen. Mm-hmm. For that woman, what are the most simple steps that you can recommend that she take to begin to position herself to become, to aspire to, to achieve, to change, to whatever word you want to use there? What yeah. should she do? The biggest thing is to first figure out your why. So know that why. Where can you make change with that why? You have to research elected offices. This is why Lucy wanted to run for Congress instead. That is where she was going to be able to have the biggest impact. If you care about education, you should be running for school board. I feel we could probably have an entire episode on everything that's happening with school boards. If you care we about, should. yeah, if you care about water, it's the water board. Mm. If you want to make changes with what's happening with business and gentrification and how that's pushing out black people, you should be on your city council or mm. your county commission. You got to know where you can run to be impactful. So you got to do that research. Once you've done that research, look at the different elections that have happened. Who has run and won? Who has run and lost? How much money was raised? That's going to give you a good sense of not only the cash that you're going to have to raise, but who the people in the community are electing. Right. For those people that did get elected, Look at their records. What are they voting on that you disagree with? What are they voting on that you agree with? And how are you going to mesh that into being your campaign message? And then you decide when you're going to run. So those are the simple steps that you can take. And if you want Emerge to train you, we're EmergeAmerica.org. You can get into one of our various training programs. Mm. But what about the woman who says, I don't have a network. I, I can't fundraise. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know what to do. Who's going to vote for me? How do you, how do you reach teach and, and, and push her? The network thing. That question. That one. 
I can't believe it. Always, it feels like they have huge networks of support. Everyone does. Right. Your network built it. is in your phone. Yeah. Your network yeah. is your Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Your network is your family. Your network is your coworkers. It's your church. It's your sorrows. Yeah. Everyone has a network. Heck, it's the people you invited to your wedding. Yeah. Your yeah. holiday yeah. card list. Everyone has a network. Yeah. So I really want us to retire that thinking mm-hmm. that we're nobodies, that yeah. we don't have people. There are people that you have influence with. And those are the people that you're going to start with. And if you talk to those people, many of them will be excited that you are running for office. And they will tell you, you are the one About that we've time. been waiting for. Right, right, I mean, right. We can teach you how to fundraise. That can easily be taught. Mm. It's one of the biggest things that women want to know about when they come to the program is, how do I raise all of this money? And we show you how. And especially with Black women, we do get outraised. We do get outspent. But what we don't have in money, we make up with a good message in shoe leather, getting out there talking to people. And not every race is millions of dollars. Yeah. There's some races where you only need to raise $2,500. Really? $50,000, right? Because we have this notion. Right. Everything in our public, feels huge. Huge. Yeah. Because what do we see? We see these billionaires yeah. influencing everything. So we immediately say, well, I have to be a billionaire to influence politics. And I don't know those billionaires. Yeah. Yeah. So they're not going to support me. Yeah. But... When we all come together with our small dollar donations, the 1% has nothing on us 99%ers. I love that. With the way mm. that we are able to influence things, right. your $5, your $10, your $25 matters. It matters. Yeah. And that is what Black women are winning off of yeah. those yeah. small dollar donations. So we can teach you how to do everything. We can teach you how to get up and do the stump speech, pulling together your story. We hear all the time too, well, you know, I got some of these things in my past. They'll use them against me. Let's talk about it. Everyone's got that thing. Everyone's got it. Except me. I don't have anything. (laughs) It's probably a very big lie. Let me me be quiet for somebody digs it up. (laughs) And we we talk about it. We had an alum who was running in New Jersey. She had to declare bankruptcy Mm -hmm. because she lost her house like so many people during the whole mortgage crisis. And she was just mortified and embarrassed. But it was the reason why she was running. And we said, that is your why. That is your story. So We're all human. We are all human. And we helped her package that into her stump speech that like many of you in this community— I had a bad mortgage. I couldn't keep up. I had to declare bankruptcy. I am running to make sure that this never happens again and that we're able to support our community. I'm relatable. I'm human. I'm just I'm relatable. I'm human. And that's why I'm here. And she beat out a white man who had been in that seat for over 10 years. Like this black woman being her authentic self. Women who are like, I haven't passed the bar. It took me so many times. Like, it took Kim Kardashian a lot of times to pass the bar. Yeah. That, that is normal. You're super, super human if you're passing the bar on the first time. And the reality is no yeah. one asks how many times it'll take you to pass once no. you pass. No one even thinks about that. 
Because especially as women, there's these things that we'll put on ourselves. Mm -hmm. One woman said she wasn't going to run for office until she had the perfect credit score. And I said, no one's checking your credit score. Mm -hmm. They don't run a credit report when you run for office. But because of who she saw being elected, she felt that she had to have all of those things in order to run. I wonder how much... How many barriers do we create in our own mind? Because personally, like one, one yeah. of the things that I do on the podcast is I'm very, very open, probably more so than some people would like. And, and I'm one of those people who, since I was probably in my early 20s, and I'm no longer in my early, I'm 46 now, I have toyed with and thought about and had political aspirations that flowed in and flowed out, but I always had a reason why I didn't. Mm-hmm. I, I, I remember hearing someone who was running say something that I thought, and that became a reason. Okay, well... He's got it, Mm -hmm. right? So I I wonder how often do you see people create these barriers in their mind that stop them from finding their way to their point of passion? All the time. We are our own worst critics as people. And especially when you're running for office, nothing is going to be perfect. Something will always be off. The timing, you're dealing with family stuff, you're in the middle of a job transition, Unless you are rich, real a realtor or retired, yeah. nothing is going to line up perfectly in your life yeah. to run for office. And I also think so much of that has to do with the history of our political system. Yeah. It was built for white land-owning men. Yes. They never anticipated the political participation of women. They never definitely anticipated the participation of Black people. Mm-hmm. So now we are here disrupting the system. So it goes back to my astrological placement. This is what I do. I disrupt the system. Right. So of course there's going to be barriers and challenges and hardships because it wasn't meant for right. us. Yeah. But we're still doing it and we're still making positive change. Yeah. So we've talked about a couple of things, but we've talked about that person who is a Lucy, mm-hmm. but doesn't necessarily realize it. She has to go and figure out her why. She has to begin to evaluate what political office or position can best answer her reason for being. She has to get over the barriers real or imagined in her mind in order to take those steps. She's done all of that now. You've mm-hmm. mentioned emerge many times in this interview. So now I want to take a second and let's dig into that because it feels like that's what's next, right? She's mm-hmm. done all this work. Yeah. Now you lead. Emerge. Let's tell the listeners very clearly what they are and take that same woman that we've been using as an example and pull her into the program. What does she get? Where does she go? How does she grow? What do you all do? What does she become? Sorry, I got excited. (laughs) Very clear. The minute you walk into an Emerge program, Mm. you're stuck with us. (laughs) You cannot get rid of us. You cannot get rid of us. We are there for you. And it's one of the things that makes us really special. You're entering a program with about 25 other like-minded women who share your same passion and drive to want to run for office. And you're doing it majority of the time in one of our state affiliates. We have 27 state affiliates. And what we do is we say that your path to public office starts the minute you step into that program. And we begin to demystify everything that people want to know about running for office. Mm. How do I get my name on the ballot? Do I just go pay a filing fee and my name is on the ballot? Or do you have to go collect signatures? Because 
in some states, you have to collect signatures to be able to qualify for the ballot. All right, my name is on the ballot. Where do I find a campaign team? Mm -hmm. How do I write a campaign plan? How do I set up a canvas? How do I set up a fundraiser? Where do I find all these people to support me? How do I create my elevator speech, Mm -hmm. which is one to two minutes? How do I create my stump speech, which is longer? How do I prep for a debate? We go through all of that. Mm -hmm. And you're able to ask the questions. There's no silly questions. And we do it in the framework of women because we know it is very different. Are you going to wear pants? Are you going to wear dress? If you're a more casual person, we say just show up as your authentic self. What we don't want you to do is get up there in the heels and dress and then you're falling down during the debate. No. Right. We teach them that you are already enough. You have everything. We're just going to put a little bit of polish on it and bring it out. And by the time they're done with the program, they are more confident in what it takes to run for office. Mm. They're more competent about what they need to do. And it's less lonely because you now not only have the state network, you have a national network Mm. of people that are rooting for you. We've trained 5,000 women to run for office. Currently, over 1,000 of them are serving in elected office. That's a pretty good percentage. I think so. I always like to get that in whenever I'm talking about Emerge. It was going to be my next question, (laughs) but you you got there already. All good. (laughs) You talked about the things that Emerge can help to teach. What are the innate things that a woman needs to have inside of her already that Emerge cannot teach? What, What should she be looking for or recognize in herself? That you're already enough, that you can do it. It's just in putting polish on it. Getting up there and asking people for money, we teach you how to do that. We ain't Beyonce. Nobody wakes up like this (laughs) and is the perfect candidate for office. I also like to dispel that myth. Mm -hmm. There is no perfect candidate for office. They're always going to not do something perfectly. They're going to make mistakes. They're human. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So, first thing I'm going to tell you is get rid of the mm-hmm. perfectionism. Because mm-hmm. that can be the thing that really brings you down. Mm-hmm. Or you'll be so stiff and I got to have all this in order. And am I saying this the right way? Am I doing that the right way? You just got to show up and be who you are and keep that why. But we got to get rid of the perfectionism. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing that drives women candidates down. We had one woman who was running in South Carolina and she was wearing a beautiful dress to a party committee meeting and she got up and spoke. And then afterwards, a whole bunch of men went up to her and lambasted her because she was showing her bare shoulders. And how dare she? And she should have had her shoulders covered. And how could they take her seriously? And it deflated her. Just deflated her. Mm. Just those men, like, first of all, like, you got beautiful shoulders. If our forever first lady, Michelle Obama, can show her shoulders in her official portrait, 
but there's going to be things like that. And just know that's their opinion, you know, as some older white men who wanted you to be what they expected. They wanted to deflate. Right. They wanted to deflate. Yeah. And that just tells me they just ain't about having women in elected office at all. Yeah. Because they saw you. They knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. Like, and you had to be their ideal of a woman that they would vote for. And we told her like, that doesn't matter what they thought. They may not want to vote for you, but other people are going to vote for you. And she did go on to win her race. But geez, just that moment, our executive director called me and told me about it. And I said, over some shoulders? That's wild. Because she didn't have on a blazer or a cardigan? Maybe think about the the tan suit and Obama moment. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just yeah. there's always going to be someone who has something to say. And if they don't vote for you, it yeah. doesn't matter because there are people who are going to vote for you. I want to take that story and ask a question. I want to be really clear. The, sto- the question I'm going to ask is about failure. And I do mm. not think that either one of those are failure moments. No. But I also recognize that when you're in your own space and in your own head, you can turn anything into a failure. And she oh. may have felt like a failure in that yeah. moment, even though she wasn't. But we often talk about the role of failure in business, right? It's, mm-hmm. We have these amazing stories about some of our largest entrepreneurs who have failed 13 times mm-hmm. and 15 times. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we inspire people behind the message of it's not about how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get up, yada, yep. yada, yada. Yep. Talk about the role of failure in politics because this is my own thought. Oftentimes mm-hmm. when you fail as an entrepreneur— the audience to your failure is small because you have not made it. Right. But when you fail as an aspiring politician, and in this case, failure to me might feel like losing a race, mm-hmm. that's done on the public stage. Mm-hmm. So how does failure play a role in the significant success of a black woman in politics? That is real. Mm. When I took over Emerge, I'm the first black woman to lead this organization. Where's my applause track? (laughs) (laughs) And I felt the pressure. I knew that there were people just waiting for me to fail. Mm -hmm. They did not like the fact that there was a transition in our organization, that someone new was coming in. The network was majority white. Mm -hmm. And now they got to listen to this little black girl. And what does she know? And Mm -hmm. why did they pick her? Like, first of all, over 500 people apply for this job, and it's me. I kicked all their asses. So clearly, (laughs) so clearly, I had what it takes to do this job. And that's something I had to keep in mind. Like, Shanti, 500 people wanted to lead this organization. Right. And you were the one. It's me. Our board picked me. I had the support of our team for me to lead this. And we just know that there are people who want for us to fail. They will do things to try to make us fail. They get off on our failure. And the thing that I keep in mind is, but none of those people are putting themselves out there. They're not doing this. They probably can't do this. Right. So it's more about them and not me. Yeah, yeah. And that has helped me as I talk to more Black women about running for office is that failure. You may not win the first time. You may have to run two or three times to win a seat. That does not make you a failure. Right, right. You are still getting up. 
and running because you have that why. You're learning too. Right. You're learning. After every election cycle, I call our alums who have not won because that is important to me as well. I'm going to call the winners, but I'm also going to call the alums that didn't win. Mm -hmm. And one of my first questions is, when are you planning to run again? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, I haven't thought about it. And I said, well, I need for you to think about it. And I said, I need for you to write down what went well, Mm -hmm. what did not go well. And when you run again, you're going to improve on the things that did not go well, but you do not become a shrieking violent. You do Mm -hmm. not disappear into the dark, you still have to stay active if you're going to run again because that is also a good signal to all the women watching, especially the young girls that are watching you, that you did not win, but you're still out in your community. You're still doing the work without the title. You are a servant leader and just servant leadership is so important to me. And you deserve to be here. Right. Yeah. So that's something that I tell them. And for those of you who are going to read the Colored Girl book, Donna Brazil talks about her failure with Al Gore's campaign and how that really set her back. And she went back to being an intern. She literally took a job as an intern and she said, I'm just going to sit down. I'm going to let my ego go. I'm going to let the titles go. And I'm going to reflect and I'm going to relearn and then I'm going to work my way back up. I love that. I love that. I want to, I want to change directions just a a little bit. And I want to talk about the everyday voter Mm -hmm. and eventually we'll, we'll ride that into what you're doing with the Brown girls guide to politics. But from your position and all of the amazing women that you have worked with and what you see now every day, you talked about one of the things that emerged us for the women who come through the door is they, um, forget the word you used, but it was very similar to myth busting. Yeah. Demystify. There we go. Demystify. What needs to be demystified for the everyday consumer of politics, mm-hmm. the voter, the person who is not in political office? What do you see that they need to better understand or relearn or even mm-hmm. forget? Biggest thing is your vote matters. Mm -hmm. Every year, there are elections that are lost by one vote, Mm. by 10 votes, by 500 votes. Your vote matters. And if you're unhappy with some of these elected officials, look at how many votes they won by. And you can see some of them didn't win by a lot. And then some of them are running unopposed. So we got to get out of this mindset that It doesn't matter. Change isn't going to happen. Just whatever. If you need Medicaid expansion, you need to make sure that you're voting. In Virginia, one of our alums lost her state delegate race by one vote. And that meant that year, the state legislature, one vote. This happens all the time. All the time. And that means that that year, the state legislature didn't invest more in healthcare. They didn't invest more in education. They didn't invest more in roads. Literally, every vote was failing in the state house by one vote. That is crazy. But that woman ran again and won. And then all of those things got passed. 
in the next legislative cycle. And I currently reside in Virginia. So I saw mm. that impact as a voter. I know one the difference. One vote. People are out here losing elections by one vote, y'all. I think that would literally make me sick. One vote. Because one person said, uh, whatever. Doesn't matter. It's raining. It, right. You know, it, it's cold. I'm tired. Right. Wow. One. Like those are the stories that people need to hear more of because I, I've heard so many people say, a vote doesn't count anyway. They already know who they want. No. When one vote stops all that change and people are so impacted. But, yeah. but actually, it, it, it takes me to another question. Why is it that we don't understand, or even better, what are the elements of this equation that we don't understand? How politics mm-hmm. equates to community. What are we missing? Like, why do we not react more? So, Sorry, I got kind of passionate. No, I love it. With voting, right now, redistricting is happening. So that means when they're drawing more lines for our elected officials. Guess who gets to decide that? The people who are in elected office. The people mm-hmm. who got voted in. That's how that voting impacts you. Redistricting the census also impacts how much money districts are getting. That impacts you. If you want more stuff done in your community, mm-hmm. you need to make sure you elect as the right people who would get it done. And our vote is important because if it wasn't, they wouldn't try to stop us from voting, especially black people. Say that again. The fact that the Voting Rights Act still is not being fully implemented, all these voter ID laws, the fact that they're closing down DMVs, in rural areas with majority black populations so they can't get an ID, shutting down early voting on Sunday so people can't go after church. All of it is designed to limit our vote and they're limiting our vote because they know that we are powerful. Mm -hmm. If it didn't matter, they wouldn't be doing all of this. We know Georgia has some of the most restrictive voting laws in the country. Why? Because they know when the black population here starts voting, things really are going to change. Mm-hmm. So that's, mm-hmm. that is just so huge for us to keep in mind. It's all related. We know what's happening to our brothers and sisters in Jackson, Mississippi right now. That has to do with voting and the fact that there's more statewide elected officials who misappropriated money. All of that could have changed if there was voting. We wouldn't have a flint if there were more people voting Mm. and on the inside Mm. to make sure that there was clean water. Mm. I just talked to a young climate activist where they were dealing with toxic air and her family got sick. She had to recover from cancer and she channeled that into energy to mobilize her community when she was nine to start to get the people in the community to vote. She's like, I can't vote, but you all can vote to stop this. If we don't vote, it is the beginning of all of this, but we also have to hold our elected leaders accountable. I am clear. You got to vote, but then you got to hold them accountable to make sure they're doing what they said that they're going to do. And if they're not doing it, vote them out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I tell people, for, for those who don't believe that our vote matters. It tells me that they don't understand the struggle behind us voting. Mm. How many people have been killed and murdered and hurt 
And and yeah. I tell it, go listen to Fannie Lou Hamer's mm. speech to the DNC. I don't remember early 60s, 61, 62 in that mm-hmm. time frame. And I mean, mm-hmm. she dictates like everything she went through. Yeah. And the thing about the fact that in 2022, we're still fighting right. for these same things. They're still pulling some of the same things they did to her in the early right. 60s today. Right. It's a playbook that's lasted for 60 plus years. Like it obviously matters to me. Same. Mm. And people say, why is voting so sacred to me? People literally died, died, yeah. were beaten, tortured. For me to have this right, yeah, and I'm I'm just not taking that for granted. I I find it frankly disrespectful. That may be an unpopular opinion, yeah. but when we have people in our community who wanted this so bad for us, yeah, that they gave their life. Look, you gonna see me at that poll? Amen. <laughs> I was. I don't. I don't remember which election it was, but here in Roswell, it was pouring down rain. I literally stood in the rain. I had on a black shirt and jeans and I was soaked through. Mm-hmm. So much so that the news interviewed me about <laughs> why did you stay? Yeah. And I went through my spiel. First off, they didn't know who the hell they were talking to. <laughs> <laughs> you, you probably should have never put that camera in my face. Um, but when I got to the point and I started talking about people who had died and I talked about my grandparents, mm-hmm. they literally stopped recording me. Like in that moment put the camera down and everything, and walked away. I was, I was so shocked, but also not shocked at all, all mm-hmm. the same time. And so then I went inside, voted, and went on home. And sure enough, none of that ever, ever, ever came out. But one place I want to go is we, we talked now about the public and public consumption of the vote in politics. And so I want to lead that into the Brown Girls Guide to Politics and the fact that that is a platform that is consumer-facing, Right. Mm-hmm. But also people can tap in if they are interested in politics. They mm-hmm. can tap in if they want to learn more about politics. They can mm-hmm. tap in to be taught, to be inspired, to be educated. Tell us a little bit more about that platform, why you created it and what someone can expect to hear when they tune in. And you should yeah. be tuning in, folks. You know how we do here. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. The idea for the BGG came to me one morning. Mm -hmm. I was on my way to speak at some event Mm -hmm. and I had an email from a young girl and she said, hi, I hope this reaches you, but I'm really interested in politics, but I don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. I I love this. I want to get involved, but could you help me? Could you guide me? Could you mentor me? Mm -hmm. And I got emails like that just all the time. Just even when I was out doing events and conferences, young girls asking, how do I get involved? Women asking me, how can I get my daughter involved? Can you talk to my granddaughter? Mm-hmm. You know, them wanting them to have that activism. And I was in my position because of other women who believed in me, other women who saw in me, you know, saw things in me that I didn't see. Mm-hmm. And I've always been about paying it forward. 
my first official boss in politics was Congresswoman Shelley Berkeley, Jewish woman, mm-hmm. like my my Jewish mother, my forever boss number one. And she used to always do so many things for me, invest in me. Mm-hmm. And I would always just be so thankful. Oh my gosh, thank you, Shelly. This is the best. I can't believe I get to do this. And she said, Ashanti, I know you're going to be in a big position one day. You just need to make sure you pay it forward. Mm-hmm. So how was I going to pay it forward? And that's when I came up with the idea for the BGG. How do I make this easily accessible when for some people it's really not? The fact that I now have access to the colored girls is a big deal for me. So how do I make it so that other women have access to this world of politics? The BGG just started off as a blog. I said, we'll start to share our stories. I'll put up information on different groups that people can reach out to, to get involved with. And I reached out to some of my fellow women of color in politics. It was pretty much like, hey, so you want to join me in putting all our business out on the internet for this BS that we have to deal with in politics? And several of them replied back and we would just share different stories. And our most popular blog series still to date, is called being the only brown girl in the room. And everything that you have to deal with. And the feedback that I got from people is, we want to hear more of these stories. We want to hear more of these conversations. So we turned the Brown Girl's Guide into a podcast where we talk about the world of politics from the point of view of women of politics, but in a very simple, easy, digestible way. Right. Because people also think that politics has to be everything that you see on C-SPAN and these large two-hour debates. Overwhelms you sometimes. No, we're going to talk about how you started your organization because you didn't see an organization like this being led by women of color. What made you want to run for office? We did a podcast series called Freedom Summer Mm -hmm. when we had the deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Mm -hmm. And we talked about some of the Black women behind the scenes who were leading this new fight. It's always a fight, but you know, this new fight around racial injustice. We did a series on COVID and the way that that was impacting women, especially domestic workers people who still had to show up to their jobs at hotels or taking care of other people, not having the right equipment, not having the right safety procedures. And this season, we kicked it off on Tuesday, is focusing on the midterms and what women of color need to know because everything is on the ballot. We're talking about reproductive justice. We're talking about economics. We're talking about the environment. We're going to dive into what do we need to know as we head to the voting booth. And I want for our listeners to feel empowered to own their political power, but also educated. And there's a lot of white people who listen to the podcast. And they've told me that it's actually helped make them better, especially in the workplace. There was an older man who emailed me and he said, wow, I just had no idea what my Black women colleagues were really dealing with. He's like, and now I'm angry. 
and I need to help them more. I'm glad he's angry. And he said, I'm upset on myself for just being a bystander. Yeah. So white men who want to be accomplices, I'm clear. There's like allies and then there's accomplices. And when it comes to the white community, we need more accomplices. Yes. People who are really going to be Getting down in us. the dirt, who when they see you being disrespected in the meeting are going to step up and be like, no, Bob, you were out of pocket, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. We need more of that because we're just in an age in our country, in politics, where allyship, just your safety pin isn't going to really yeah. do anything yeah. to hold us yeah. together. Yeah. You said, I want to ask one more question. You, you mentioned bystanders, and it made me think, for the people who do not want to be in politics, mm-hmm. first off, that doesn't mean they don't want to be political, right. but they don't want to be in politics. And they also don't want to be a bystander. Mm-hmm. What courses of action do they have at their disposal? What can they do? Things, you do not have to be the candidate. You do not have to be the campaign staffer. You don't have to be the volunteer. Mm-hmm. Those are all things that are a part of the political ecosystem. But we'll go back to voting. That's the biggest thing that you can do. If you are excited about a candidate, though, talk to people about that candidate. Mm-hmm. Encourage other people to vote for that candidate. That is you being politically engaged. When you donate to a candidate, That is you being politically engaged, involved in politics. And with donations, we talked about it a little bit, but when you love the fact that you gave someone $5 and now they're in elected office, you helped did that. You own a piece of that campaign just by your small- It's stock or something. It is. And when Obama ran, he did open up this new- theory about small dollar donations where asking people for $3, asking them for $10, people gave. And that's why we saw when he won that election, people getting out of their car, dancing in the street. They had a piece of that. Not only their vote, but oh my gosh, my $5 helped get a black family in the White House. I love that feeling. I adjust my budget to make sure that I'm doing political donations. Yeah. I can't just tell these women to run for office right. and not support you them. Walk the walk. Now, now there's a lot of them. You ain't getting a lot of money from me. <laughs> I also run a nonprofit. So I'm not rolling in the dough over here. I'm not a one percenter, but I want to help and I want to elevate them. Right. And just even their excitement when they call me and they'll say, So Ashanti. Can you do this? And I'm like, of course I'll do it. They're like, really? Can I tell people you gave me money and you believe in me? Absolutely. And that's what you're doing to those candidates. Like, I'm giving you my vote. I'm giving you my money because I believe in you. There's a woman in Alabama who works a minimum wage job and she is a sustaining donor to Emerge. Mm -hmm. She gives us $5 a week. That's pretty much an hour of her pay. And she says she does it because you all are going to get the women in office who are going to help me make more money, who are going to help my children be lifted out of poverty. Like literally gives me an hour of her pay a week to do this work. How does she donate? She donates online, emergeamerica.org. You can donate 365 days a year. 
And you can do a one-time contribution. You can set up small contributions with our organization. We are funded by individuals. So I have to raise every single dollar. We do get great support from our partners, from some PACs, from labor unions, very pro-union over at Emerge. Our staff just unionized. And I was very happy to voluntarily recognize Mm -hmm. that because it's a part of our values. But I'm I'm out there hustling to raise money to do this work. Wild Black listeners, I'll be donating. And and Mm -hmm. I, I hope that through listening to this conversation, actually, I hope that even before this conversation, you understood the importance of us acting in a political nature and us assuming political office. So I hope that you also donate. Last question. Well, I'm lying. Two last questions. No, we're having too much fun. I know you got somewhere. I'm looking at your face. You got a ton more questions. <laughs> I, you know, I always do. I always do. I always do. But this is one that I have been wondering since the first time we chatted. Why aren't you running for political office? I know you've heard yeah. that before. I have. And right now, I am very much happy being right. behind the scenes. All right helping uplift other women. This is my passion right now. I have run for things. I've run for young Dems, college Dems. Mm -hmm. I was secretary of the Nevada Democratic Party. So I have run. I ran for my condo board. I got appointed president of the condo board. Kind of want them to pay for my therapy after that. (laughs) (laughs) So I have run for things. I really understand that one. My goodness. The condo and the POA. They were like, as president of the condo board, we think you should get a dedicated parking spot. I'm like, I don't need people seeing my car. Why is that going to come out? I don't want you to know what I drive. (laughs) So I can come out, my car is keyed and painted. (laughs) Because someone's mad about the grass. Nah, I'm good. I I will park in an unreserved spot like everyone else in this complex. So I have run for those things, but I'm very happy being behind the scenes. And I never say never because there may be that opportunity where I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to step up and lead. But I 100% love and I'm 100% blessed that I get to wake up every day and support these women who are going to change people's lives. You're building the pipeline. The pipeline. It, It is so... I don't think there's Robust. anything better than that. Right. You're not the one. You, you're the one who leads to the many. Like, that's yeah. an amazing place to be. I love it. I love being able to do this. And I have so much fun. All right. What's missing? When, we, when we're looking at our political ecosystem, when mm-hmm. we're thinking about, and we don't have to limit this to, to black women or black people, mm-hmm. but what's missing in our political ecosystem that will help and support black women or black people? Mm-hmm. We definitely need more support for them. Mm -hmm. We did an event in D.C. and we had an alum who did one of our boot camps. She's going to run in Virginia. Mm -hmm. And she raised her hand and she said, I can't even get my family to really understand what I'm doing. Like I asked them to host a fundraiser and they said, oh, they can't do that. They don't know how to do those fancy fundraiser things. And she said, how, how do I build up that support? You know, like they're going to vote for me. They're happy I'm running, right. but they don't know what that looks like. And I said, you're black. I know there's cookouts. And she said, yeah. I was like, 
could use one right a, now. Oh my gosh, a cookout would be. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to throw you. <laughs> now I'm so hungry. I want ribs. <laughs> I, was, I swear I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I swear. I will be having ribs for lunch because now I want ribs. And I said, the cookout is a fundraiser. Mm -hmm. You get up there, you give a speech, you pass around your envelopes, people donate online. I said, that's a fundraiser. I said, they can do that. And she's like, yeah. Like, do you have someone in your network who's really good at designing? Can they help design your logo? Can they help design your lit? Tap in that person. Do you have someone who's really good at cooking? Can they donate food to one of your events? Do you know someone whose style is really fly and you want them to help you on the campaign trail? That's a way you can support. Our talents that we have for those candidates that we like, offer up your services. So they also need that broad support. And we need people from our community who also understand. It's so easy to go out and get these white boy political consultants, but I'm going to be real with you. Congresswoman Presley talks about this. They told her to take out her Senegalese twist because no one was going to vote for her with that hair. Right. And she didn't. And I actually did a tweet when she won her primary and Leader Abrams had won the primary in her previous race. And I said, Stacey Abrams just won a primary for governor with her natural hair. Mm-hmm. Ayanna Presley is now going to be a congresswoman with Senegalese twists, mm-hmm. which is the style I wear my hair in. Mm-hmm. Can we stop saying that Black women's hairstyles make them unelectable? Because like when I see the congresswoman, we call ourselves Team Senegalese Twist. Like even, you know, she has her alopecia. She's like, she called me after I became president of Emerge. And she said, you know, I don't have my hair anymore, but we're still Team Senegalese Twist, right? I was like, always. I said, even for me as an established person in politics, seeing you win with hair that looks like mine was everything. So what's missing is just the different levels of support that we can give to Black women with our talents, yeah. we got to give them our vote too and also throw them some coins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you were right. I, I still got other questions, but I'm going to respect time. <laughs> Simple question. What races should we paying attention to right now? So other gonna, than all of them. <laughs> right. So I'm going to break this down for everyone. There are 520,000 elected offices in this country. Damn, that's a lot. That is a lot. 520,000 people who get to shape our lives with the stroke of a pen. President and vice president are just two of those offices. Congress is only 535. The rest are at the state and local level. Those are the people that have the biggest impact on our daily lives. So we need to be paying attention to the state house, mayors, city councils, water boards, school board, sheriffs, judges, and prosecutors. I'm really big on having more women, especially black women in these law enforcement positions. Because if we want to improve criminal justice reform, if we want to improve public safety, we need their voices. 90% of judges are white. Makes sense why things look the way that they do. 80% of prosecutors are white men. 
makes sense why things look the way that they do. You got to research those people, especially us in the Black community, because it's easy to get in a judge who is racist AF and they will pass down harsh harsh sentences. It's easy to get the prosecutor who has so much discretion. Do they get off with an ounce of marijuana? Is it just a misdemeanor? Do they get a warning or do they go to jail for 20 years? Prosecutors decide that. And we know there are so many of our black people that are locked up over marijuana weed charges for nothing, but it was that prosecutor who decided that. We need those prosecutors who are going to say, this ain't a big deal on so many things. And I know that can be controversial right now. We are having the debate about criminal justice reform. Is it being too lenient? Is it leading to a rise in crime? No, what we're talking about is equity and justice in our criminal justice system. And we need more Black voices if we're going to get that. So pay attention to those state and local races. We only vote for POTUS and VPOTUS every four years. We got to think about the people that are on the ballot consistently at the state and local level. Those are the people we need to be keeping an eye on. I love that advice. All right. That's it. At the end of the episode, we always give the mic to our guests to close us out. Tell the listeners whatever it is that's on your heart to share, but please do share how they can follow you, the Brown Girls Guide to Politics, and Emerge. Thank you, Darius, for having me. This was so much fun. I love doing these conversations. As a Black woman leading an organization, it means a lot when I'm given a platform to talk honestly about the great things, maybe the not so great things about being in the position. But I absolutely love doing this work. To the women listeners out there, I want you to consider running for office. To the men out there, I need for you to think about the great women in your lives who need to run for office and encourage them. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Ashanti Golar, A-S-H-A-N-T-I G. H-O-L-A-R. You can find Emerge on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We have some great videos up on our YouTube, especially for you all who want to know how you can get politically engaged. Check those out. Everything is at Emerge America. And the Brown Girls Guide website is thebgguide.com. And we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The BG Guide. And the new season is out of the BGG podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. I love it. Ashanti, sister, thank you so much. Thank you. While Black, we out. Peace. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, But the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.